Good evening, and welcome to the second episode on the Giovanni. Before we begin, I would like to thank the mysterious individual operating the Lore by Night podcast for aiding me in providing you the content for tonight's show. The Council sends its regards. The plot of the Endless Night, mentioned briefly in the previous video, is rather simple. The Giovanni, in particular Augustus and his Anziani, the elders of the family, want to tear down the shroud that separates the world of the living from the world of the dead. This shroud, or the Sudario, as the Giovanni refer to it, prevents the clan of necromancers from fully wielding their influence over the spirits, and with it gone, they would become the most powerful clan of vampires, perhaps even factions overall in the world. To do this, the Giovanni needed to get the spirits, a hundred million to be exact, and this is one of the things that the clan have kept busy with during the years since its founding and the Diablerie of Cappadocius. In 1999, when the clan had collected nearly 28 million souls, all carefully documented in the family archives, a great maelstrom erupted in the land of the dead, which sundered the prison they had constructed, annihilating many of the spirits and freeing others. Suffice to say, this massive setback has been a thorn in the side of the clan, and a divider amongst the Anziani who cannot agree on how next to proceed. The Anziani Prudenti, the cautious elders, urged for the clan to continue their course, knowing full well that patience will bring with it its just rewards. The Anziani Appassionati, however, would rather speed things along, taking a more aggressive approach to harvesting souls for their great ritual. Of course, neither of these sides know what Augustus' plans are, as he woke from his torpor only to assure that the mausoleum of the family remained secure, before he ventured into the underworld in order to personally survey the damage done by the maelstrom. He has yet to return. One driving motivation behind the Giovanni's desire to amass a large amount of power is that they truly do believe that the ancients of the other clans will rise once more to consume the younger generation. After all, Augustus himself was embraced by one of the antediluvians. They are in particular wary about the followers of Set, who seem hell-bent on bringing their clan's namesake back to the world of the living. Thus, they have since the Maelstrom pursued more and more aggressively the creation of raids with unfinished business, even going as far as supplying rebel groups, juntas, and other unstable regimes with weapons and reasons to use them. The eager elders simply cannot wait to reclaim the souls that they've lost, and more than that, and their relentless pursuit of this has provoked the Wang Kuei, the vampires of East Asia, not to mention drawn the attention of lupines and alienated many of the clan's younger members. Thankfully for the Giovanni, it would seem that the tightly organized wraiths on the other side of the shroud have suffered greatly from the maelstrom as well, the destruction wrought by it having destroyed much of the law-keeping and bureaucracy that prevented their agents in the land of the dead to do their bidding. Giovanni spirits are now much more free to act as they want, and while this is an advantage, it also means that a vengeful specter of the family might decide that this is the perfect time to lash out against their old relatives. The act of soul forging is a terrible punishment against any wraith, because it renders them unable to act or move on their own, turned into objects to be used by other wraiths. For the Giovanni, this is a crucial skill, and thus they value any and all spirits aligned with them who are capable of doing this, as it allows for a much easier storage of souls for their grand ritual. 
Indeed, there are vast sepulchres ruled by the clan of death beyond the veil, stacked with neatly compacted wailing cubes of soul-forged spirits. Ultimately, it remains to be seen if the Giovanni's desperate attempt to reclaim what they lost in 1999 will lead to their success, or hasten their destruction, but they are not alone in their pursuits. There are many more families aligned with the Venetian merchant dynasty from all across the world, and whether through alliances or brutal force, they have all been convinced to put aside their personal goals for that of Augustus Giovanni. The three largest families are the Duncern, the Pisanob, and the Milliners. The Dunson are of Scottish origin, a family of bankers of a taste for long pig. Indeed, these cannibals fitted Augustus Giovanni perfect when he looked into expanding his family's trade to the Americas in the early 1700s. The Dunsons have massive amounts of wealth, having been in the money lending business for generations, and they likewise had contacts all across English colonies and the United Kingdom. The Dunson didn't start out as cannibals, and in fact, kicked out the prodigal son who developed this rare taste, only to have him and his brood come back for a hostile takeover years later. The Dunson have not displayed any interest in learning necromancy, instead much more preferring money and favours, but lately the Giovanni has been a little bit more convincing in their urgings for the younger members of the family to at least try to pick up the trade, if only because it would help speed up the gathering of souls. The Dunson, having always been a proud lot, are bristling at the lack of trust and respect, especially since the Giovanni would prefer it if the elders of the Scotsman came by Venice to learn it from the best. The Pissanob were brought into the family earlier than the Dunson, but lack perhaps the same amount of success or at least recognition from their work. When the Spaniards arrived at the Aztec city of Tenochtitlan, they were horrified by what they found and, as European invaders were prone to do, set out to completely destroy what they did not understand. Among the invaders, however, were a number of Giovanni family members who immediately took a shine to a group of priests practicing a very structured and powerful form of necromancy. After receiving permission from back home, they set out to embrace these pisanobs, as they refer to themselves as, a pisanob being a Mayan term meaning something like, ghosts of the dead that walk the earth. Pochley, the leader of the Pisanob, has remained active up until these days and is a strange specimen. His face and features are rotten and desiccated, like a corpse, and nobody knows who actually embraced him. Some even speculate that Pochley wasn't embraced by any of the Giovanni, but that he somehow predates them, being a child of a Cappadocian. Pochley has neither confirmed nor denied any of these rumours, but he and his Pisanob have served the clan faithfully through the years. The Pisanob has a very ungrateful duty of dealing with the recently surfaced Harbingers of Skulls, a bloodline of strange necromancers who utterly despise the Giovanni. The Harbingers are allied with the Sabbat, and Pochley and his Pisanob are constantly in a state of war with these, and it's taken its toll. It doesn't help that the European branch, and even the North American of the Giovanni, don't take this threat seriously and ignore the Pisanob's call for help, even as they're beaten back inch by inch by the ruthless necromancers and the Sword of Cain supporting them. In fact, the Giovanni are sour at the Mexican branch of their family for not fulfilling their teeths and souls, many within the Anzani, arguing that it's time to go over there to set things straight. The Milliners are a Boston-based family of financiers who know how to carry a grudge. What inspired Augustus to bring them in was the single-mindedness of Francis Milliner, who made it his personal mission in life to see the Kennedys suffer after one of them, Joe Kennedy, was given a promotion instead of Francis, despite the latter's superior skills in management. 
Francis bided his time, played along, and slowly chipped away at the family's fortunes and finances, eventually buying their estate out from under them, and some suspect he may have also had a hand in the tragic and early deaths of many members of the line. Augustus, suitably impressed and looking to further expand his interests in North America, offered the milliners immortality and power they could have rarely dreamed of. They accepted, but declined learning the arts of necromancy. The milliners have done an absolutely amazing job furthering Giovanni interests in North America, keeping both Camarilla and Sabat at bay while they weaseled their way into privatized prison industrial complexes and fought hard against the nationalized healthcare, earning the family billions in income. And yet, the recognition has yet to come. In fact, the Giovanni seem almost actively hostile to the milliners who they consider upstarts and two-bit con-men. And as Augustus has divorced himself from family affairs for now, it doesn't seem like they will ever get the acknowledgement they deserve under the current management. These are of course not the only families involved in the family. The Della Passaglia were incorporated in the 1400s for their trade with the East, and they have a long history dealing with the Wong Kuei, even going as far as studying under each other. Although, the relationship has gotten quite frosty lately, hinting that the Caffians were using the Della Passaglia to study kindred before they conducted their attack on the US West Coast. The Ghiberti was inducted in the 1600s when the Giovanni decided to make money off of the slave trade between West Africa, West Indies and the United States, or well, the colonies at the time. They remain active to this day in the West Africas, and although they are no longer operating in the slave trade industries, they are expanding their operations, much thanks to the Ritual of Potley, a ritual created by the Pissanob to pull the necromantic gifts of several practitioners to further enhance the powers of them. The Putanesca, named charmingly of the Whore, are a Sicilian family who were brought into the family in the 1660s, mostly due to the kind of dirty work that the Giovanni couldn't be bothered doing themselves. A family line of thugs, petty thieves and murderers, the Putanesca are low on the hierarchy, but invaluable when it comes to guaranteeing that anyone who tries to weasel out of a Giovanni deal thinks twice before they try. Some have compared their fierce tempers and intolerance to the insults to Bruja, but at least the rabble believe in something besides the impact of a baseball bat has on a cranium. Finally, the Rosalini are another ancient family of necromancers, tracing their roots back to Rome as well. Where the Giovanni try to find the easiest, simplest way of doing things, the Rosalini thrive on bringing pain and suffering on any they wish to subjugate. Their necromancy is a stick of dynamite compared to the delicate needlework of the Giovanni. While they are quite good at it, they have also made many enemies and with the latest maelstrom, they are now reaping what they have sown. Few spirits forget a grudge, and many amassed quite a tally with the Rosalini. There are other families as well, some being considered, others serving as ghouls and business contacts. Yet with the recent events and Augustus having gone missing, any further incorporations are put on hold for the moment. There is a certain pride in the Giovanni. They are better, simply because of their blood. The other families are fine, but they will never be as good as the Venetians. It is no surprise then that many of the branches are starting to look at the stem of the tree with less than admiration in their eyes. And with the recent events that have been shaking up the shroud and the world beyond it, not to mention the antediluvian's disappearance, the time would be ripe for a change in management. Yet, who would be so bold? And what would be the results?
Thank you once again to the Lore by Night podcast for aiding in the production of this episode. The council has noted its boon debt to you, and you may call upon it whenever you wish. The mighty antediluvian snow, whose grand vision guides my hand, and Adam Daw, whose strings pull at my very soul, walk among us like dark gods. Their patronage is a blessing as the time of judgment draws near, and I pray for their benevolence. Bambi Parsons joins these ancient beings as well, and the inspiration and force of will she exerts upon the council cannot be denied. The Methuselah, her satanic majesty Danny, reborn through fire and ice, and Maximilian S. Hardcastle, who maneuvers the chess pieces of the Jihad with ease, not to mention Socrates Johnson, the ancient scholar of lore who has seen fit to engage once more in our nightly games, are all of them blessed for their interest and engagement in the works of our council. Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, 06, Stonewolf18, Jokerman, Cal Constantine, Lauren Eason, and Ian Nichols are all valued and appreciated members of our council, and their wisdom and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. Our elders, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells Its Blood, Remy Van Roy, Gaslight88, Aubrey Ayers, Non-God, June Pacholo, and Justin S. receive our blessings for their devotion to our cause and for the example they set for the younger kindred of our sect. We would also wish to send our thanks to the Ancillae, Harry Wyckoff, Envihan, Yudan, and Al as well as our most recent addition to their numbers, Hawk Haynes, for their help and guidance of their juniors. Finally, our stalwart neonates shall, as always, receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.